Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. And welcome to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. My name is Tim Tompkins. You can follow me on Twitter at Radio Tim NBA. And uh, of course, I am joined by my co-host Greg Esposito at Espo on Twitter. Greg, what's up, man? Ahoy hoy. How are you? Uh, also, I do want to apologize. My voice is giving out. I accidentally got hit in the throat playing basketball last Sunday, and it's been about a week, and I still can't talk. I'm not even going to make fun of that. I'm just going to let that be. What I do love is we're five minutes into this, and we have not acknowledged that Dave's not here, oh, which is I've awesome. Been to, I've been to, okay. So, but the reason why Dave isn't here is because you, Greg, had to record at 6.30 in the morning, and Dave was basically, oh. nah, fuck that. Oh, yeah, let's let's be honest, okay? It's a half an hour earlier than we usually record. <laughs> it's not like I went, hey, can we record four hours earlier than we record? No, Dave decided he's a... He's driving hard down the paint right now, and he couldn't uh, show up to the to the show. So uh, take that as you will. You know, it's the off season. I honestly can't hate. Hey, we're here. Two of us, two of the three eight bad. So let's get to some sun stock. All right. So, uh, and I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly who broke this, but I do want to give the timeline a bit of credit um, because they were the first people I saw to do it. So there is a reporter. His name is John Shannon with JZZZ in Phoenix. And I do want to play what he said regarding Robert Sarver quietly selling the team. Um, into this and buying this organization has to have a way and have a plan of trying to create a new venue for the hockey club. The interesting thing now, Steve, is, is that there are uh, a great deal of rumblings, more than rumblings, that uh, uh, very quietly Robert Sarver has put the Suns up for sale. One of the one of the issues that has always been in the Valley of the Sun, and I don't have to tell you this, is that uh, for the size of the market, it makes no sense to have more than one arena. So if, in fact, the Suns are able to be sold in the next year or two, um, and it's not public yet, but uh, there is, he certainly has uh, has launched a very quiet private sale message out there. Maybe this is the last chance to see the Suns and the Coyotes play in one venue in the city of Phoenix. And so I don't know who that is. I've never heard of this Sean Shannon guy. I'm hoping that you have, Greg. Yeah, well, it's a, he's actually a Canadian reporter, and he was uh, on... KJZZ, the NPR station here, uh, in regards to a report that the Phoenix, excuse me, Arizona Coyotes, they're no longer the Phoenix Coyotes, are in uh, are about to be sold to a new ownership group, which is basically a every eighteen month tradition here in the Valley. And uh, so he was reporting on that. And as part of this, the question was, well, why would somebody buy the Arizona Coyotes because they have no building? to play in right now it's it's a weird arena situation here well then he this guy throws out well i'm hearing uh there may be a chance that the coyotes and sons could share a building because robert sarver is quietly trying to sell the team now sarver has not wanted to share a building because that means scheduling things potential sharing of revenue from a building which is something he uh, doesn't feel comfortable with necessarily so 
this whole thing is about uh, is about the Coyotes potentially sharing a building with the Suns. I've talked to numerous people, uh, and even John Gambadoro is reporting the this isn't a true rumor. From everything I'm hearing, uh, even the Suns came out and and denied it. Now, e- even if they were quietly trying to sell the team. Uh, the Suns would likely come out and deny it, but I'm hearing there is no no truth to this rumor. What actually could be happening is the Coyotes are trying to float this out here to either disrupt the the current process of the arena deal, even though it's agreed upon if they think Sarver might be selling, they, they, they may be able to get to the negotiation table, or somebody else is floating this, potential new ownership, from the Coyotes is trying to float this so they can get in on the discussion. Basically, it's uh, a, and I hate to say this because I love a lot of people over the Coyotes, but it's a desperate team uh, trying to figure out a way to get into that uh, rebuilt building in downtown Phoenix. So you don't think there's any truth to this? I was actually a little bit surprised at how far this rumor got. I mean, it was on like ESPN uh, uh, some big shows on ESPN too. I wasn't surprised to see the how far I got a, among Suns Twitter by any stretch of the imagination. But I did wonder, uh, given how far it got with some of the more reputable national media folks, that there wasn't a bit more truth behind it. I mean, honestly, it, this is a well-respected hockey reporter that that said this. So, okay, uh, maybe he has a source that that locally isn't here. Maybe there's a lot of people protecting Sarver who's trying to quietly do this. I don't know. I think there's probably a five, 10% chance that it's true. Uh, I've always said if Robert Sarver's ever going to sell this team, that it would likely happen after he got a new building because the value is never going to be higher than that moment. Uh, and with the new practice facility and the arena, that's that's true. Now, a lot of people are joking, well, this would be the ultimate Sarver being cheap. He'd sell the team before the bill for the practice facility and uh, the, their portion of the arena comes due. I don't think that's the case, right? He's, uh, he's a real estate. Uh, he's a banker who invests in real estate. He understands the value uh, of owning property, uh, in particular with that practice facility. So I don't think it's it's that it's just a, it's a weird situation, and I I wish you know all of us wish this rumor was true. We desperately do. I think that's why everybody <laughs> latched onto it so quickly. But I just I I don't get the feeling that this time it's true. One of a uh, former employee that I that I was interacting with that worked uh, pretty close with Sarver said, "Look, this guy wants to win, and that's uh, it's never been about." money in the sense of doing this to cash out. And from what I know, and and I've said this before on on the show, I totally believe that Robert Sarver wholeheartedly wants to win. He's just been misguided with the way he goes about it. So, uh, so that doesn't surprise me to hear either. A bit of a letdown. It might not have been true. Also, I was kind of thinking what, if you're going to decide to sell something like this, I'm, I'm not sure that there's value in quietly, putting out feelers for it, right? I mean, if you were going to sell something of this, you want to get the most amount of money that you can for your investment. Therefore, having the largest number of bidders is just going to return 
uh, have a higher return on your investment than quietly putting feelers out there. You know, I agree. Unless the whole point is you really don't want to sell and you're just trying to understand what the value potentially might be of your asset right now. And if somebody like, you know, it's probably worth in the 1.3 to 1.7 billion, probably based on numbers you've seen. But I wonder if it's, Hey, if I get totally overwhelmed with an offer, maybe I'll take it. You know, all of a sudden I get offered 2.5 billion, you know, while I'm quietly trying to float this, maybe I reconsider my, I'm not really that interested in selling, you know, I, I have no clue what's going on. And, and if, uh, if he's actually even quietly putting feelers out, but I'd imagine if he was, and there's no real intent, it's simply to understand what the value might be. Can you imagine $2.5 billion? <laughs> I can barely imagine $250 hitting my account. All right. Like I, 2.5 billion is, a uh, yeah, is well beyond my ability to imagine. All I think of is Scrooge McDuck diving into the, uh, diving into the coins when i when i think 2.5 billion dollars if you if you somehow came across 2.5 billion dollars what would be the dumbest thing that you would spend money on a giant uh place to house it so i could dive into it like scrooge mcduck like <laughs> no i i don't know the i'd probably buy a portion of the phoenix suns that'd be the dumbest thing i'd invest in I think I'd, I'd be like, hey, Robert, can I have a minority ownership in this team? Uh, hey, oh. <laughs> you could. You could. You, hell, I, I might buy an ABA team. Uh, that would be really dumb. Because <laughs> in the ABA, you can literally buy championships uh, because there's no salary cap. So if you have the most money, you can just get the best players. You can get the overseas players and everything like that. So you can just buy championships i'd buy a what, hold on what did the aba is a lot of money on a rock i spent fifty thousand dollars on my aba roster like who's investing that much money in an aba championship uh, jacksonville giants that's why they're okay. what four or five time champions interesting i uh i don't know there'd be there'd be a lot of dumb things i'd probably buy i'd probably buy a radio station which is a terrible investment uh but i'd probably do it just out of nostalgia you know <laughs> i I would 100% uh, buy the radio station I used to work for just so I could fire some people I didn't like. That is horrible, Tim. <laughs> you spiteful SOB, you. i only spiteful in thought because I don't have $2.5 billion. You know what I'd do? I'd buy Bright Side of the Sun just so I could be Dave's boss. <laughs> Give him a raise, though? No, I think I'd pay him what he's what he's earning. He's he's earning what he what he makes right now. That's uh, I think we'd freeze his salary. I, I miss Dave. Hopefully he's he'll be back. As if he hasn't been here for months. We'll, he was here last week. We would have gotten a guest. I didn't want to invite anybody because we were recording at six thirty in the morning your time, and I'm like, no one's waking up at six thirty a.m. on a Saturday. Well, I always feel guilty asking people to join our. Hey, so when you record uh, 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning, would you like to get up and do that? <laughs> and Bad enough, yes. it's Saturday. It's 7 a.m. Oh, gosh. So I do want to go ahead and thank a listener right now for supporting our show, Aaron Standage. Uh, thank you so much, man. We really do appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube right now or you are listening on the podcast and you do want to support the Sun Solar Panel, you can do so 
by opening up the show notes or the description below and hitting the support this, uh, the show button on there. There's an option for a $1 a month, a $5 a month, or a $10 a month subscription, if you will. We're going to have a listener slack for all the $10 ones. Also, if you do the $10 one, I will personally send you some sun swag, but the $1 really does go a long way. So thank you so very much, Aaron. We really do appreciate you. Yeah, Aaron, uh, you are, you, know, you and listeners like you are the reason we get to keep doing this. So we, uh, we appreciate you guys and uh, we'll keep uh, working as hard as we can to uh, marginally entertain you every week. And we get to upgrade the equipment. So right now, Greg and I are working on finding some really quality headset mics. Uh, so the next time we're able to cash out, you know, we should get those mics and the quality of the show improves. That or I'm going to spend it so my daughter can eat. I don't know which one I'm going to do, but I'll let Mike. you know. Mike. The Sun Solar Panel Podcast now available on Spotify. Just search Sun Solar Panel. Now back to three awkward guys talking about the suns. So, the national. I want to go ahead and for the podcast. <laughs> We're going right to this topic, yes. huh? Uh, I want to go ahead for the podcast and play a little clip of the Nationals' new album, I Am Easy to Find. You had your soul with you. I was in no mood. Drift away and I could forget. I had only one last feather. Did, did we just break the law, by the way? Are we allowed to play a clip of that on, on a podcast? Up to eight seconds. All right. So we went seven and a half seconds with the National. Right. <laughs> that is right. The National are actually coming to St. Augustine, Florida uh, later on in the month, which I'm really excited about. But I have to say, Greg, I have not enjoyed an album this much in several years. Absolutely love, love, love this record. I have not enjoyed a Twitter exchange quite as much as I enjoyed us going back and forth with uh, with the song titles and nobody having any clue what the hell we were doing on Twitter. Like, no, no, that's not true. There was there was one guy because I came back with uh, a line from this uh, from the song "Not in Kansas." The flowers cover over everything. They cover over everything. And yeah. the guy responded, "Was are you in Guatemala?" And what he was referring to was that lyric was actually lifted from uh, an R.E.M. song off their 1986 album Life's Rich, pa- Life's Rich Pageant, which Begin the Begin is on, also referenced earlier in that. The name of that song is The Flowers of Guatemala. Gotcha. So that somebody sort of got what we were doing. So so for those of you who don't know, it's the off season. Tim and I are obsessed with this band so uh we we and we randomly found out we both like the same same band here uh i i have to give a buddy of mine credit uh he uh, who actually was who uh who got in the sun, got me into the suns when i was a kid too uh so i guess i blame him too he he put me onto the national about a year and a half ago and i have just uh fallen in love with this band so favorite song off the album not in Kansas. Really? That or, that or hairpin turns. Not in Kansas. 
I just think there's something hauntingly beautiful about it, and it's very apropos for the times we live in. There, that song. I like the song. There's, uh, it's, it's very REM centric mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So there's a, a couple of lines at the very beginning where he's uh, talking about the media. Um, he mentions Hallelujah, which is. Uh, those are references to R.E.M. song Bad Day, then references to Hallelujah, then he talks about Begin to Begin, then he throws out the lyrics to The Flowers of Guatemala. So I really like that song because I enjoy all the R.E.M. references, but I got to say, the second song on the album, Quiet Light, mm-hmm. uh, it's it, a good one. Just because God. it speaks to what I'm going through. How many people have uh, just turned this off? I don't know that anybody's actually watching because we're doing this at 630 in the morning, uh, Arizona time. I'm just meaning the podcast version. But we do want, there's a reason for this. So now that you have heard the national, we want to talk about what Suns players would, or Suns player would most likely listen to the national. All right. So I was looking at the roster, right? And uh, I, the, the assumption would be it's probably Jimmer for dead, right? But I think the National is far too cool for Jimmer Fredette to listen to. I feel like he's listening to, like, Donny Osmond or something. I don't know. I, that's <laughs> no, just no, who no. I think uh, think Jimmer's listening to. So uh, Jimmer strikes me as more of a, a, a dad rock type guy. You know, Dawes, listening to Dawes or something like that. He strikes me as a guy that is the most boring person uh, that you possibly could uh, ever hang with. So I... I, this one's tough for me. Who do I actually think on this roster? I think it's I think it's a toss up for me. It's Dragon Bender or it's Tyler Johnson that's listening to the the national out of out of this group. I, no, I Tyler think that Johnson that, listens to uh, Pusha T. He listens to hip hop. Oh, I I don't know. I think he might. Uh, I think he might sneak a national song and think, hey, this isn't bad. <laughs> I don't know. I there's not a lot of. Uh, you know, 30 something, uh, white guys on this roster that listen to, uh, to whiny, uh, rock. Like, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, uh, I bet you that Ryan Anderson would have listened to the national. Oh, I guarantee Ryan Anderson would have listened to the national. I, I think if Channing Fry were still on this roster, he seems like a guy that might listen to the national, you know, uh, maybe even a Robin Lopez would have listened to the national, but this roster in particular, uh, I'm not sure. I I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if uh if they if any of them listened to it that they'd find something they enjoy. But I don't know that there's anybody dedicated to to listening to the national on this roster. So now that we have spent five or so minutes talking about our new favorite band, uh, I do want to bring this to a report. A report, something that that Gambo said. I don't think that qualifies as a report as much as we respect Gambo. But wait, he... wait, Gambo reported on somebody listening to the National. Holy <laughs> crap! Uh, he was talking about the Suns and their need for a point guard, and there's been a lot of rumors recently, specifically about Mike Conley, given their spot in the draft and whether or not the Suns would go after him. Yada yada yada. Chris Paul is another one that's been floated out there, but I, I think that's more hoopla than anything else. Regardless. Gambo said that the Suns are not interested in Mike Conley or Chris Paul, thank God. Uh, but they are interested in a combo guard, which is interesting for a lot of reasons, some of which I think has to do with the comments that Monty Williams said in the presser that we're going to get to later. But I do want to go over some free agent options that are reasonable of combo guards. 
Why why a combo guard though? You've got you've got a combo guard technically and Devin Booker sitting there. This team badly needs a point guard, somebody to run that show. But I will let you go through the list so I can tell you I don't want any of them. So it's likely because they want Devin Booker to run point for um stretch of which, time, you know. Which is there. just misguided. It's just, but go ahead, read your list of combo guards. (laughs) We'll get to that later. We'll have that grand debate later. We will. (laughs) All right, so the list of free agent combo guards. You have Malcolm Brogdon. This is something we talked about on Twitter. Now, the thing about Malcolm Brogdon, and he's the only one I'm going to mention here because uh, that is a restricted uh, point guard. That's very important here uh, because whether or not you can get him would mean you would likely have to seriously overpay, I think, for the Bucks not to bring him back. Seth Curry, Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, Jeremy Lin, Shelvin Mack, TJ McConnell, Austin Rivers, and Ish Smith. Okay. Half those been there, done that. Like, so I don't. Oh, been there with uh, Seth, Seth Curry, Ish Smith, Austin Rivers, technically. You uh, know. Did they? I mean, you know, they, he wasn't technically. It team. was so much he said, I don't want you to keep me on this roster. Cut me, please. Like, If I remember correctly, the reports were it was the Suns that said, we don't want you on this roster. His agent and him were like, hey, go play for the Suns. You'll make some money because you'll get some minutes. I've heard it both ways. I don't I. I I think it was uh, regardless. I mean, if uh, I don't see Austin Rivers as your answer here, right? TJ McConnell is is interesting. Uh, that name has always in, intrigued me. Uh, I would definitely look at that. Brogdon is a uh, is a serious option. Uh, well, as serious as do you want to clear cap space for? For him, and uh, apparently when I said serious, Siri thought I was talking to her. I apologize about that. Uh, Bra- Malcolm Brogdon's a serious option, depending on how much cap space you can clear and how much you're willing to invest in that position. Uh, I-, I don't know. It's uh, Corey Joseph's an interesting name, but when you look at that list, are any of those guys really – the kind that that change things around here that make you significantly better. I think maybe Brogdon. I think maybe TJ McConnell. And other than that, I think it's all right. It's a slight upgrade from uh, Tyler Johnson running your point. At that point, I may just go, I'd rather have Tyler Johnson if I'm going to spend all this money on him. Um, David on YouTube says, uh, Beverly isn't a great creator, so he could share the ball handling duties with Booker like Suns management wants. That's another option. I don't really consider Patrick Beverly to be a, a combo guard, although I do get why David is referencing him. I don't really think Patrick Beverly is a long-term answer. He could be a, it doesn't have to be a long stop answer. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's true. what I, I, I get so irritated with son's Twitter about is every single person you talk about, they're like, they aren't the long-term answer. And you look at how teams build. You don't always have to find the long-term answer, mm-hmm. but you can find a short-term answer that makes you respectable. That makes you a place where you can then go and sign some other free agents, where you can trade for some players that agree to stay 
You know, if you look at where the Toronto Raptors are right now, for example, they are there because of a long series of moves that had to do with marginally improving their team year over year, then making some trades, finding some free agents, and now they're, uh, you know, at the end of their run in the Eastern Conference Finals, and depending on what happens, they're going to be going to the finals. If you look at the Boston Celtics, for example, who they brought in Horford. Horford didn't change their entire team, but you know what? They brought in Horford. Uh, then they were able to sign Gordon Hayward. And of course, Gordon Hayward suffered that injury. It hasn't worked out exactly how they wanted it to, but they were able to get these better players because they were able to sign good players. And there is some value in just signing some guys that marginally improve your team that just make you respectable. And they don't have, it doesn't have to be the point guard of the future. It can just be the point guard for two years. Yeah, just like what Dave's doing right now. You don't have to look for Mr. Right. You just have to look for Mr. Right now. Is so, that what Dave's uh, doing right now? Looking, that's what Dave's doing. He's looking for he's looking Mr. For right me. now. Yeah. Uh, so I love when Dave's not here and I can. I, there's no pushback on on any of those. Uh, no, you're right. And and the other factor to this is okay. Say they do take a point guard at number six, right? Let's let's play. The thought experiment that they keep the pick, they go God, point guard it. Yes. You know, I, you're going to want a veteran uh, that maybe is a two or three year option that can play in front of this young guard to start, teach him the ways, and then eventually slide into the backup role as as that young point guard takes the lead. You know, Patrick Beverly, uh, you know, TJ McConnell. There's guys that 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 could fit that bill that you're not breaking the bank on. Now, Malcolm Brogdon, you're going to have to pay 20. I think you have to pay 20 plus million to, to get him out of Milwaukee. And I just think that's too rich for my blood. When you're looking at Malcolm Brogdon, nice player. I just don't think he's, he's the player, you know, just like a, a Terry Rozier, you know, if you're, you're going to try to acquire him, I just, I don't see him being a great player. Now you don't have to get a great player necessarily, but if you're going to play, pay 20 plus million, uh, you, you better hope that it's a, a great player, or, uh, you might as well just pay tw- Tyler Johnson, uh, 19 and a half million or whatever his cap number is this year. And, uh, and just stand pat, you know? And then I wonder if they do, if the Suns do take a, a point guard at number six. And again, I, I cannot stress how much I don't want them to do that, but if they do take a point guard at number six, what happens to the glut of, second round point guards that we already have on this team. I feel like there's three of them plus they Tyler make, Johnson, right? They, they make the Northern Arizona suns backcourt. One of the best backcourts in the G league. That's, that's what they do. Like you, are, is anybody really sitting there going, man, I am really concerned about Elliot Cobo and, and Melton's the uh, Anthony Melton's future on this roster. Other than their agent and them, I don't think anybody's sitting there uh, all that concerned about that. So if they did go ahead and draft a, a point guard out of the ones that they, they have, because obviously they wouldn't be able to keep all of them, um, who would you most like to see stay on this roster? Oh, uh, I think it's a to- – this is such a cop-out BS answer, but I think it's a toss-up between Melton and Okobo. It depends a on – yeah, I think I think it depends on what you want. Like, do do you want more defensive focus? Well, then Anthony Melton is the guy that that you'd likely keep around. Do you want more offensive focus? Then it, then it's probably Elliot Kobo who you 
who you keep around and hope develops. Uh, Tyler Johnson, I have no clue what's going to happen there. It's still weird to me that he hasn't picked up or we haven't heard that he's picked up his option because I would have run to the bank as fast as possible. I think he has to, until the 16th. What was that? I think he has until the 16th. Yeah, I'm sure he does, but why wait? Like, if you had $19 million sitting there that you could guarantee, yeah, I'd, I'd be going and slamming whatever button I had to to activate that. Well, as maybe he as I did uh, tell the Suns what he wanted to do, and the Suns just didn't communicate that to the public. Yeah, but his agent would have made sure that got out there, too. Like, uh, there's... There's plenty of ways that information gets out there now, and it's uh, it's not just the team, obviously. So, right, so Tyler Johnson's likely here one way or another. Uh, he's likely part of this equation. So. Which I like Tyler Johnson. I just if you, if you are to take away how much he's making, I I think he's a good player. I think he was a good addition on the team. I think oh. that him and Booker actually fit really nice together. He's also. One of the only point guards the Suns have had in years that can actually guard a pick and roll. And I think that's really important for DeAndre Ayton or whoever else is out there uh, for them to be playing with a guard that doesn't put them in a bad light every single possession down. Look, I would love to have Tyler Johnson as part of this team moving forward in a backup uh, guard role, whether it's, uh, you know, he can play both positions. So uh, he's versatile. He plays defense. He brings that energy that you need it's just the price tag right now and that's not his fault i mean the the nets were willing to pay it and the and the heat were willing to match it and the suns were willing to uh to acquire the contract so it's not his fault at all i don't begrudge him and and he just plays uh, he, he's played very well for the suns uh he couldn't shoot a lick to start but he uh his defense and his energy was impactful. So uh, I certainly want to want to keep him around. I just think that number is, uh, is unfortunate. So. It is, but it's, it's, I'd rather have an unfortunate 19 million with a Tyler Johnson than with Ryan Anderson. I wouldn't because I could at least talk and listen to the national with Ryan Anderson. <laughs> so. Instead of push a T. Yeah. I, you know, me and push a T that's uh that's, that's who I jam out to on my way to work. So <laughs> No, no Drake for me. It's all push a T. So, uh, what did you think about Drake being out there on the sidelines? Uh, it, it ended up. It actually kind of made me mad. I was watching NBA TV. Thank, thankful to you for giving me a subscription to YouTube Live, by the way. But so I was sitting there. I was watching NBA TV, and instead of them analyzing the damn game, they were analyzing Drake on the sidelines. <laughs> Infuriated me. But when I was watching the game, I was just thinking. I don't think even the the president would be able to be there on the sideline doing what he was doing. Uh, honestly, it doesn't bother me. This is entertainment. This added a totally different factor for us to all talk about and us to all pay attention to in an already entertaining series. It gave Milwaukee a villain to completely hate because there's nobody on that on that Toronto roster that you hate. Like, how do you hate on Kawhi Leonard? He's the most mild mannered, even keeled. A uh, guy that you're going to run into. He's the Greg Popovich of players in, in terms of uh, a lot of ways he approaches things. It's like you're not going to hate him. They needed a villain. Drake became that great villain for Milwaukee. Like I love it. I, uh, this is what entertainment is about, and I think Drake gets that. He's like, I can be part of this this show, quote unquote, and uh, and Toronto loves it. The, the, like the city loves it. So. He's playing up to his fan base, and I'm all for that. Like, that's great. 
It's entertaining. Let's uh, give me more. Give me more entertainment. Like you, you don't think he's going to be all over the place in in Game Six? If I'm him, I buy courtside tickets for Game Seven in Milwaukee if it happens. Like we used to love Spike Lee. He used to be a sideshow on the sidelines. Like I, I'm all for this kind of stuff. I don't know why people are so damn bent out of shape about it. Yeah, you know, like it, it's fun. It was weird. If nothing else, it was weird. Which is fun. Weird is, weird is fun. So the Monty Williams press conference happened this week. I, I don't know if the weeks just feel like they're getting longer or if there's just so much more happening now in the, the NBA. But the Monty Williams press conference was this week. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed listening to Monty Williams talk. I enjoyed James Jones and Monty Williams together. Um, it, I'm really optimistic for this front office and for this coaching staff right now. Uh, Greg, you obviously watched it. I have a few takeaways with a few quotes that we can talk about, but let's get your thoughts. Yeah, I watched it. I listened to him on the Woj podcast. What struck me was, uh, you've all seen the music, you know, the music man or the, uh, the, uh, uh, the monorail uh, version of the episode of the Simpsons. To me, uh, Earl Watson was the shyster, the guy that came in and talked real well and, and sold you a bill of goods and couldn't back it up. Right. I listen to Monty Williams and I feel like Monty Williams is Earl Watson that can back it up. Right. He talks about the program. Uh, he, he has this view of, of the way that you can bring men together and mold them. But I feel like he has the life experience, the coaching experience to actually help achieve that i i believe in in monty williams i don't feel like there's a uh, there's any fakeness about that right uh and it's it's very in, uh, motivational in the way that at the beginning earl watson felt like that but never backed it up never never gave us what we really wanted i feel like monty williams is the guy that comes in and do does everything and more that that we we kind of hoped Earl Watson would the guy I mean we all know the tragedies that he's gone through we all know you know his story but man he sounds like he really really gets it and that's exciting to me and you, you hear him you know he's got that great experience he worked with Popovich right he worked under Brett Brown he he He's just he's been around a lot of great coaches, and then uh, I you're probably going to want to get into this, but then we find out even Jerry Colangelo uh, puts in a great word for this guy, and uh, and it changes. I mean that that that's another just amazing reference and an amazing dynamic to this story. So I'm 100 percent with you. I am very excited. And I'm warming up to James Jones. I was very, very harsh on James Jones on this show. Admittedly so. I've admitted even that uh, my my view was probably skewed by even personal relationships with uh, with people uh, from past regimes that, that, that may have skewed this. But I've been impressed with what James Jones has accomplished this offseason so far. I feel like he's made some some good new some good moves and it was really nice to hear the two of them 
talk, and especially Monty, and say that uh, he trusts James Jones and how much James Jones echoed those statements. A lot of that was in regards to the draft and free agent moves and everything like that. It was, it was nice to hear. I, I do want to pull out some quotes that really stuck out to me, and I want to get your take on them, Greg. One, and, and this is important because specifically with the Pelicans, they were an incredibly uh, slow team that didn't shoot a lot of threes. And, uh, you know, the NBA has changed at this point. Obviously, uh, it's been a long time since that happened. Since those days, uh, he's had a lot more coaching experience uh, with a number of different teams, front office, et cetera, et cetera. So judging him on what he did five or six years ago with the team, I, I think isn't fair. But regardless... It's nice to hear him, him speak on style of play. And what he said is the Suns' style of play will be based on the players that they have. So instead of forcing um, an up-tempo offense, if it doesn't dictate for it, they aren't going to do that. Instead of forcing a slow offense or defense, they aren't going to do that. And I, I thought that that was a really good quote. Well, what this shows is a guy that understands that it is not a system that necessarily makes a coach. It's a flexibility to fit the players that are on your roster. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have uh, things that he believes in that are important to, for, to bring in to, to have a team do, but that means he's not rigid in it. And we've seen coaches fail. I mean, even that was part of Igor's downfall a bit, right? He had this uh, offense that, that was his system, right? He was bringing in and, he it took him a little while to try to adjust to what this team had and without a point guard it never really adjusted right like monty williams is saying look i'm going to build what we do around who we have and that's what you need to do right he may not have the perfect roster for what he wants to accomplish long term and his vision in year one he's saying i'm going to figure out how to make it work with with the group that i wind up having that to me makes total sense and it is the way you should approach any situation in any uh position if you're a manager i may not have exactly what i want but i'm going to figure out how to accomplish it with the pieces i do have the next quote uh and this is actually something that uh we're kind of talking about on the youtube chat right now had to do with who they're going to be playing through a lot of comments last season, and I think that there was uh, Igor actually did good with DeAndre Ayton, limited him a, a little bit, which a lot of Suns fans didn't want him to do. But uh, I think that that's important for building somebody's confidence and making sure that they play within themselves, uh, especially as a rookie. Uh, Monty Williams said, quote, I don't know yet what our team will look like, but we will play through Devin and DeAndre. And what stuck out to me in this was specifically playing through DeAndre. To me, I, I get it. It wasn't what happened last season, but this is a no-brainer. Those are the two pieces that you need to play through, that you need to to make the focal point of your offense. And you have to have DeAndre Ayton seriously involved in whatever you're doing and every aspect of it because he's that kind of player, especially and in particularly on offense. So you need to figure out, how do you make both of these guys the focal point? And I, I'm glad Monty Williams said it, but now he's got to go out and do it. What, how is he going to make it work? Joseph on the YouTube chat says that those were shots at Igor. Do you agree? 
No, I don't think Monty Williams is necessarily taking shots at Igor there. He's maybe saying this was not the way that it, it that it took place. It may have been a point of emphasis from James Jones, who obviously wasn't happy with the way Igor did it. But I highly doubt that Monty Williams went there and uh, and went. I really am going to specifically take a shot at the poor guy who had to be sacrificed for me to get this job. I still want to point out how hard it is for me to talk right now. Uh, if you're just tuning in on YouTube, I got hit in the throat on Sunday playing basketball and I need Greg to go on like a five minute rant because I'm having well, a really, my, my throat hurts. Get, uh, we'll get to the Colangelo Sarver, oh, one, uh, Sarver's a new man thing. And then I'll give you 20 minutes on okay. that. So. One, one more quote. I re- I, that really stuck out to me from this Monty Williams conference. <clears throat> He was asked if Devin Booker would be the primary ball handler, a.k.a. point guard, or if he thought that Devin Booker would thrive more off the ball. And I really liked the response from Monty on this. He said both. I think the really good players in the NBA, you look at the playoffs from Kawhi Leonard to Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden, all of those guys do both. Well, and that's the reality of today's game too, right? It's uh, You need that. You need that versatility. You need to be able to to take over and be the the primary ball handler in certain situations. And I, I think that's all right. Now he can't become the primary ball handler for two thirds of a game. We saw that that just doesn't work, but in key situations, you want a ball in your star's hand. He's a guy that, that we know can pass. Well, he obviously can make his own, create his own shot. You want him to have the ball, when when it comes to crunch time, as long as as he's bought in that DeAndre Ayton is just as important a part of the offense as he is and can get him involved as well. You can't have Devin Booker going to complete, I'm going to take over mode and take 75% of the final shots in, in, in the last two minutes. I mean, his usage rate, you've talked about that. Oh, God, I'm using referencing advanced metric. Who the hell am I? Uh, his usage rate at a certain point in those final two minutes was pretty it was ridiculous. Like, it was like 73% in, in crunch time of close games, something like yeah. that. It might have even been higher, actually. Which is not a tenable situation. You cannot have that happen. Uh, but I like that Monty's thinking in that way that acknowledging, yes, he is our, our best player right now, and he has to have the ball at, at times. And, and that's, that's how we're going to win. So you referenced it a little while ago, Greg. Uh, Monty Williams, uh, as well as Robert Sarver, reached out to Jerry Colangelo recently. Yes. So it came out in an interview with, I believe it was Bickley Murata on Arizona Sports, that Monty Williams admitted that, uh, that Jerry Colangelo was a big reason why he took this job. He asked Jerry about coming to Phoenix, and Jerry said that he thought it was a good idea, basically endorsed coming to the Phoenix Suns. And the other part of this, then Jerry Colangelo was on with uh, Burns and Gambo, and he had said, look, Robert reached out to me. It was the first time I've heard from Robert in a very long time, and he asked me about Monty and and, and seriously wanted my opinion. Now, Jerry knows Monty from uh, the USA basketball days, right? Uh, it, he Monty was an assistant there. Jerry is was uh, is obviously the head of, of USA Basketball. They got to know each other very well. Jerry spoke glowingly uh, of Monty, and Robert said, well, he's likely going to become 
the next head coach of the Phoenix Suns at this point, and then apparently reach back out and thank uh, thank Jerry. This is all good, right? This is this is what we were hoping for. Uh, Jerry Colangelo obviously put aside whatever feelings, and he claims he has no hard feelings towards Robert and couldn't speak to how Robert felt to him, about him, right? But Jerry's got to have some not hard feelings, but he's got to feel something when it comes to think about Robert Sarver and what's happened to his baby, the Phoenix Suns. He birthed this team. That's the reality uh, of the situation and then helped raise it for decades. So he's got to at least feel a twinge of, of angst when he thinks about what happens. And he said, you know what? I care more about this franchise and, and making sure that they get the right leader in place then I care about those personal feelings. That's huge, right? Because he is, even though he's he's getting older, he's still a major figure in basketball with some of the biggest names, right? So that's that's a big thing. Now, Robert Sarver reaching out to Jerry is a big thing as well because it's not something he has done. Uh, he's actually been opposed to it in 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 some some ways and has very much moved away from quote unquote Jerry's guys within the organization. So just the fact that he reached out is a big deal. Now there's a couple of things that come to mind and you know, one of them is pure speculation. That'll be the second thing I get to, but to me, is this good? Yes, this is good. But a lot of people are starting to act as if we're seeing a brand new Robert Sarver, right? Pump the freaking brakes, okay? I've talked about this. We've seen six good weeks, okay? And that's great. And I'm giving him credit, and I celebrate that. But it's very much like if you have somebody that's an addict. You can be addicted to anything. You know, it could be addicted to to your phone. I don't care. The, The point is you don't celebrate when they've had two or three good weeks, right? You don't go, hey, great, it's over. Finally, you broke the addiction. No, okay? That's not the case. There's a a long process. It's a continuous internal battle that that goes on and rages on. And let's let's not mince words. Ego and power are addictions, right? They're they're things that become intoxicating to people, especially those with money that are in in the position to utilize those. And Robert Sarver uh, is uh, is one of those people that that is addicted to those things. And until you prove the first time this team goes on a five-game losing streak, right? Are we sure he's not going to march into Monty Williams' office and tell tell him how to coach this team? Are we sure on draft day that if James Jones wants to take a player that Robert Sarver doesn't particularly like, are we sure he's not going to start screaming in the middle of the draft room? When free agency happens, if, if there's an opportunity to sign a bigger name uh, and Robert doesn't want to pay what you know, or or doesn't necessarily like the player? Are we sure he's not going to overrule James Jones? We don't know any of these things, and until we get through a year where we don't hear about, uh, you know, these bizarre missteps and these weird tantrums and different things, I am not going to buy into this narrative. It's nice that we've gotten to a point where he's asking Jerry Colangelo for his opinion or he hired Jeff Bauer or he, uh, you know, is, is letting James Jones do his job. 
uh, or he's willing to pay five years for a head coach, all great, all out of character, right? But it does not mean we've crossed that bridge into everything's fine territory. It's a start. But can we all stop acting like somehow magically everything is different now? And, you know, it's great. Some of the people you're hearing say that it's coming from places where they're financially motivated to uh, be rosy about things. And that, and that's all right. That's the reality of, of certain things. You, you're the home of the sons. You work for the team. Those kind of things are, are reality. We're all adults. We understand how the work, world works. If you're financially motivated to be positive, you're going to be, right? Uh, I did it for five years, but I am I just – Let's not act like everything's changed. Now, the other thing, the conspiracy theorist in me, right? I told you, Tim, if you got if you pulled this ripcord, you're gonna get 10 minutes without talking. And I'm fine. But, I'm fine with that. Keep going. <laughs> the conspiracy theory theorist in me, and I have nothing to, to prove this, right? This is pure, unadulterated, probably irresponsible speculation on my part. But if you look at it, is there a chance that the NBA stepped in and said, look? If you don't do X, Y, and Z, if you don't change the way you operate, we are going to have a problem here. We heard the Woj report towards the end of the season when it came out that they hadn't even interviewed anybody for their front office, that the league was concerned and considering things, right? Jeff Bauer gets hired. Never a press conference. Hasn't been seen in the media. Nothing, right? Isn't that a little odd? No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think a, a position that he was hired to, it's odd to have not seen him. And especially a vice that, president of basketball operations isn't seen, hasn't been heard from and is touted as the guy with experience that you bring in. You don't think it's odd that no, they didn't because, introduce him? Because I think that, uh, I, I think that, that James Jones is clearly the voice of the franchise and that's how they're operating, and that whether or not you have a press conference to introduce somebody at a high-level position is completely different than somebody being brought in to assist James Jones, who is the voice, and he's the voice for a reason. He's the voice because nobody likes Robert Sarver, and I'm talking about the players specifically, right? So that's who James Jones is speaking to in all of these different press conferences. So I, okay. I don't think that that part is strange, no. Uh, okay. Do I think that there's a chance that the NBA front, of, uh, the NBA front office stepped in and said, hey, Robert, what you're doing is not working. You need to do things differently, 100%. But the press conference, I, I don't find strange. Well, let me get back to my Zapruder film breakdown. All right, maybe the press conferences, but I find it weird that there hasn't been any kind of feature article, no quotes from Jeff Bauer, really radio silence, right? The head coach they get, they basically pull off a coup, right? Nobody thought Monty Williams in a million years would choose the Suns over any of his options. They get him. He's tied to Jeff Bauer, right? He's tied and, to and Jerry Colangelo, right? Uh, it, the league installed Jerry Colangelo in, uh, in, in Philly when they had a similar concern. Robert hasn't talked to Jerry, and everything that I ever experienced wasn't a fan of Jerry Colangelo because he felt like the love affair that people in this town have with Jerry Colangelo was bizarre, unfounded, and he wanted to be his own man. All of a sudden, he has a magical change of heart in the middle of this. It all just seems very bizarre to me. Now, it very much could be. This all could be 
uh, you know, coincidence, circumstantial, none of it could have anything to do with the NBA. But that report, the changes, and what we've seen that are so out of character make me wonder, is there something deeper going on? And if there's ever a league that conspiracy theories and weird things happen, it's the NBA, right? So I don't know. Pure, unadulterated, probably irresponsible speculation, but I wonder if there's something there. I, I don't disagree. I also tend to agree uh, to believe every conspiracy theory I have ever read. Also, the Pelicans getting the number one pick right as they're losing Anthony Davis. Uh, it's a, 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 a bit strange, don't you think? Oh, of course. I mean, and you called it, by the way, because I, I went back and I watched the show and you called it. And there's a reason why you called it, because this was the only thing that could happen if if the the lottery wasn't 100% up to par, right? Well, and if you look at it, there's just logical steps you can take to figure out some of these. And, you know, maybe there isn't some vast conspiracy, but you look at it and it just it made me wonder because it just feels so out of character The the in one in one foul swoop all of a sudden things are are bizarrely changing like uh they go from they're not not talking to anybody about their front office to a guy that you didn't even hear about winds up getting the job really quick like i don't know something uh, something smells fishy and you know i'm i'm usually you know if it if it if it you know talks and walks like a duck, it's likely a duck, and it just makes me wonder: is there something going on? And there might not be. Maybe Robert Sarver just has all of a sudden everything changed. It just clicked with him. Maybe maybe that happened. Right. I I think that's the less likely explanation of everything, but maybe it happened. Right? Maybe could. It's not against the realm of possibility. We've seen odder things. I mean, look at our look at the world we live in right now. A, a, a 180 degree change from from the owner of the suns wouldn't be the weirdest thing we've experienced, you know, in in the last six months. So maybe it happened. I just I'm not on a payroll that forces me to think that way. So. <laughs> Uh, and on that note, thank you so much. My voice is giving out. It hurts to talk, but thank you everybody that tuned in on the YouTube live. Uh, we're going to be doing this every single Saturday, right around 7 a.m. Arizona time. If you ever want to tune in also, Greg and I are starting a live 10 minute episode on Wednesdays, uh, six or seven o'clock Arizona time, which we're really excited about. We're going to start this Wednesday. It's only going to be a 10 minute show, but you know, we want to do a little midweek thing where we're going to touch on one topic. Uh, that I think it's going to go really well. Not sure if we're going to upload it yet to the podcast. We'll kind of see how that how that goes. Yeah, we'll probably just talk ten minutes about the national. So if you enjoyed that segment, you know, tune in for just a national talk. Actually, for... next week's debate that's non Suns related because we can do this during the off season. I'm really excited about is going to be a fast food debate that I oh. would have done this week, but I really wanted to get Dave's opinion on it. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm in for some fast food debatage. I think fans will enjoy us going a little off topic. But yeah, I'm excited for the Wednesday show. I feel like we need to call it like solar flares or something because it's a some offshoot of what we're doing here. But it'll be fun. We're gonna we're gonna create more and more content for you guys because uh you guys have been great to us, so we wanna feed the beast. Not that you guys are a beast, but we'll still feed you. All right. You're like uh, you're like a, a Shrek's wife, you know. 
Gwyneth Paltrow? No, they're, no, they're no. like Gwyneth Paltrow. You know how like when it was uh, daytime she was hot, but at nighttime she turned into an ogre. Maybe it was vice versa. That's the, hey, the listeners. Guys, you were always hot to me. So yeah, yeah, I I I see I see nothing but the beauty that that you you the listeners are. There's no Shrek in this. And on that note, we will be back again on Wednesday. If you do want to support the Sun Solar Panel, open up the show notes below or on YouTube in the description, the support the podcast button. Uh, a dollar a month goes a really long way, and it will help us upgrade our mics.